Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Strong mom. Strong woman. Hey, I'm Poppy Ajuda and welcome to my Strong Woman podcast. This podcast is all about discussing the things most important to me, from music, feminism, sexuality and gender, to race, class and politics. On this podcast, I will invite friends to talk about how these concepts intersect with their lives and hopefully offer you a little bit of laughter and a lot of food for thought. Hi again, it's me. And you're listening to this week's episode in conversation with the wonderful Emma Bresky. Emma is a model and activist who advocates for many social issues, including women's sexual health, period taboos and the environment. She is hilarious and I love, love speaking to her because she is so frank and honest. I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. Hey, Emma. Thank hey, you. Poppy. <laughs> thank you for joining me. No, thank you so much for having me. Any excuse to come hang out with you, really. Yay! <laughs> how are you doing? How's, how are you been? I'm good. I'm good, you know, like just been, like what we were saying before, just been riding the wave of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the worst year ever. I feel you. I really do. Sometimes it's like in the toughest of times, that's where most lessons are learned. So mm. even though it seems like the worst year, I think you you become more aware and stronger out of it. Count your blessings. Yeah, I mean, if it weren't for the worst times, how will we ever enjoy the good, like the best times? Mm-hmm. No, I definitely Gosh, I sound agree. like a Hallmark, like... <laughs> no, that's like a, card. <laughs> like a very philosophical idea, like how do we enjoy the light if we don't well, understand the darkness? Yeah, yeah totally. I mean, I've said that a lot this year. It's like getting comfortable with duality. Yeah, and I think we are in an era where it's like you're on one side or you're on the other side and we don't always acknowledge both sides of the conversation i mean i used to be quite a black and white mentality Mm. but um i've definitely this year with everything being brought to the surface you have no choice but to explore those gray areas Mm. and nuance is important i think Mm. we don't especially in popular culture and there's like cancel culture and all these very polarized ideas we don't always acknowledge the nuance that people are complex that histories are complex that Mm. everybody plays a different role and well I think life people Mm. everything is complex it's almost Mm. I used to think it's not that complex but the truth is it is Mm. and I think people need to try and understand those complexities and not get so overwhelmed by them like in anything there's a balance in everything but you just got to try and understand it the best to your ability I guess it's also just being open to that in the Mm. first place. I think a lot of people, it's easier to see it in a black and white way. It's easier to blame. It's easier to take one stance and not acknowledge your own bias or your own righteousness. Um, But other than that, I'm great. (laughs) (laughs) Already straight in. Yeah, I've got the first question in. Life. (laughs) You and I could talk for hours. That's the truth. I know. Oh, God. Editing these podcasts is so hard (laughs) because I could just chat for all year. I literally said that to my housemate earlier. I said something like pulling myself out of the darkness. She looked at me like you're being very dramatic. (laughs) But I think this year. That's the musician in you coming out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Very. Very dramatic since I was born. Um, so you are involved in activism and campaigning, um, although we mentioned before that that is a complex title in itself. Yeah, I mean, I remember the first time someone called me an activist, I was like, hold up, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? And I never once thought of myself as an activist. I think it's just naturally the way I speak. I think 
translated into some form of activism in people listening. Mm. I think also it's a big responsibility to call someone an activist. Yeah. I used to be scared of it. Yeah. I used to be like, no, 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 no. I would tell my agents like, no, 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 no. Tell them I'm not an activist. Yeah. I just chat. I'm a really enthusiastic chatter. Which is, I guess, part of it. I think also activism has a lot of faces. And I think sometimes when you're in the kind of public space, calling yourself an activist can feel weird or uncomfortable because there are activists who are doing work their whole life, yeah, 30 years. Yeah, and I think that's why the comparing yourself to others is just one of the worst things you mm. can do because, like you said, there's so many faces, there's so many layers now mm. to activism that a part of me kind of has, has just come to terms with the fact that, like, you know what, I'm going to own this title that has been given to me. Mm. I'm not self-proclaimed or whatever. Yeah. It's been given to me. I think it, no one ever gives themselves the titles that yeah. they're given. Like, for yeah. me as an artist, people put all kinds of labels yeah. on what my music sounds like. I, mean, who I did I was an person. interview the other day and they said uh, Emma Bresky actress model and I was like hang on wh- I'm not an actress like <laughs> uh, we've all seen your Instagram <laughs> but um I do think that like now is a great I think it's the world of activism mm. where anyone can be an activist where it's like you have, you have the freedom to speak up now mm. I think a lot of the time I felt insecure about being called an activist because I thought you had to be an intellect mm. you had to be of a certain background to be considered yeah someone with the power to influence mm. in activism but now it's like you know what actually anyone is worthy of being an activist so long think, as they have like mm. a passion for yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. I think if you really care about something and you're informed, you might be not be from a background of whatever, like affluent wealth or education, mm. but you're informed on the topics that you talk about and you care about them deeply and they're based in experience. Basically, anyone can partake in the conversation. For sure. If you want to talk about it, if you want to get involved, you have every right to be there. Mm. Uh, it's just like we said, put in the work and educate yourself. Mm. And if you're passionate about something, it will translate naturally. And I think it's important for people to realise that, you know, everybody's voices are important and everybody has a uniqueness about them Mm. that they can bring an awareness to. I think if we were more accepting of everybody's weird differences, quirks, Mm. things that they feel ashamed of, then it would just normalise all of these things that we have such a narrow view of what people can be or what women should be or what men should be. I mean, I... So just through Instagram... Just by having conversations online with myself, mainly, and (laughs) whoever was listening, I guess, (laughs) me and the dogs, just chatting to the dogs. Um, That's how I ended up attracting organizations like UN Women UK Mm. and Bloody Good Period. I think for me, as someone who doesn't have a problem talking about anything, Mm, I'll happily talk about any topic with anyone. Not saying that I know everything, but Mm. I'll be like, let's talk about it. Yeah. Like, I don't know everything, but I'm willing. I have a curious mind in the sense I'm always willing to learn, willing to talk, willing to know more. Mm. I don't ever say that I'm an expert in anything because people will be like, you're an expert in this. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not an expert. I'm interested in what experts have to say. Mm. And that's why I think naturally organizations like UN Women and Bloody Good Period approached me because they were like, we love the way you talk. Mm. It seems to just be quite relatable as they say but But it's also just really open and I think people really want to be able to have open conversations about things that they've never been allowed to talk about I think most women experience the taboo or shame around periods (laughs) like it it seems ridiculous yeah and I I think even like I was even shamed by like ex-boyfriends being like Mm. what what do you mean you're an activist you don't know anything I'm like well that's the whole point I'm actively wanting to know, and (laughs) that makes me activist. Okay, so step back, pal. Okay, (laughs) and I think that's also other people being intimidated by your power and your influence. And Mm. I think like that's another conversation I had with Shadira as well. That a lot of men can feel very intimidated by a woman who fear is one of the one of the feelings that controls people to stay stagnant. Yes, a bit of fear can protect you. It's good to have, like, you know, be aware of your surroundings and stuff. But, like, if you're living in fear, how are you ever going to progress and move mm. forward? How? Well, you don't. You, yeah. You just, you stay safe in your little <laughs> space. Yeah, and that doesn't make much change, does it? No, exactly. And, and it's about growing mm. and making mistakes. And that's fine. You know, yeah. 
I think when we hold everybody to this like perfect standard, then actually there isn't accountability. Yeah, expectation. Like there isn't an openness to understand that people are complex. It's Mm. back to what we were talking about before about the world being complex and actually understanding that people make mistakes, people do great things, people do bad things. Mm. But as long as we are able to acknowledge There's no such thing as perfect. It's what I said. Like, don't Mm. let perfection get in the way of doing doing good. Mm, For sure. And I think actually a lot of activists or campaigners or, or people who speak about important social issues they have to acknowledge that because otherwise they would be stopped by the fear of saying yeah. something wrong. I think everyone's scared to talk about things because they're like, I don't know much about it. Mm. But you will never know much about anything until you start that first initial conversation. Mm. And that's why I always say you don't have to be a genius to get into politics. You don't have to know everything about the earth to be passionate about the earth. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Just have a willingness, a also, willingness we- to learn and a curious mind. Mm, I think we need more people who just have a willingness to mm. learn because actually only having a certain type of people talk from places of authority isn't that useful for the majority of people who aren't in those positions of power. Mm. I think if more people felt empowered to talk about the things they cared about because they felt like there was a space for them to talk about it, yeah. then we would see more change. People feel yeah. left out of the conversation mm. because of what you're saying, because of class or race or gender or things that separate and oppress people. They feel like they can't engage. Yeah. They don't have the privilege or the or the space to. Well, I mean, last year I went to the UN in Paris, their headquarters there, mm. and they invited me to... Uh, their launch of the United Nations Environment Program. They did a new campaign and they invited me to go over. And I was just like, what the fuck am I doing here? (laughs) Like, I can't believe the United Nations invited me. Like, you've seen me. (laughs) You've seen my Instagram. I'm like, I am not UN material. You are, you're UN material. But they said to me when I arrived, they all like came to me like, like the, the people that were hosting me there, they came to me and they were like, we're so excited that you're here. And I was like, really? Me? They're like, yeah, because you're exactly what the UN needs. And I was like, what the hell? They're like, yeah, we need to show that the UN can party. (laughs) But that's the thing. They were like telling me that, like, I think, you know, the work they do is amazing, but it's it can seem quite maybe like unapproachable mm, inaccessible for, yeah, yeah for other people um to sort of like get on board with it seems very almost only the people at the top or elitist or yeah. yeah and i think that's what needs to change we need to have more seats at the table mm. for everyone from all walks of life for sure that's what needs to change <laughs> in the world <laughs> <laughs> definitely and then going back to kind of how you started and how you got into modeling maybe because obviously activism and campaigning came later Mm. but what was your journey like getting into a space where you probably weren't as represented yeah as like the stereotypical model I mean I kind of fell into it I never I never once in my life thought I was going to be a model but it's so weird how when things that you never thought would happen happen Mm. and then they end up working they end up benefiting in a way in your life I don't know it's just like you know when people say things happen for a reason Mm. I think I had to become a model in order to become the person that I am today. Mm. Like, I'm not just a model, but the modeling opened up many doors and many different platforms and ways for me to, like, actually evolve as, like, a a woman. Mm. Um, And I had trouble, like, as a kid, understanding what femininity meant to me and what being a woman meant to me. And uh, through modeling and through just being around so many amazing people in yourself like like-minded with me mm. that I was able to discover who I was as a person rather than fixating on like who I had to be as a mm. woman because I grew up in Thailand on a small like I grew up on an island I grew up in Phuket and oh, wow. my entire childhood I was just quite like closed off from yeah the world yeah the world so when I moved to London I was just like whoa was the idea of a woman growing up quite traditional well, I mean, I grew up in a multicultural sort of background, so there was no... And plus, my mom's Filipino, my dad's Italian, so I've had a very, like, interesting upbringing in terms mm. of, like, being around and exposed to so many different cultures. Mm. So it never seemed like... A, it never. I never noticed really many sort of nuances, because mm. this was just my norm. Mm. Until I moved to London... And it was more in your face. I, was, I, I think when I moved to the UK was the first time I experienced racism. Mm. I feel but like, I know it existed yeah. back when I was living in Asia. Yeah. But I never paid attention to it. Yeah. But then, like, 
when I moved to um, when I moved to the UK, like I remember I like moved to Guildford and these boys in a car, like I was walking from the gym back home and these boys, young boys in a car just threw like a bottle at me, empty oh bottle God. and were like, go, go home, Packy. And I was like, what? And I went home that day That's and was insane. like, I, I remember like going to my mom being like, Some, what is Packy? Yeah. And then my mom's like, oh, because yeah. she experienced it a bit in her childhood as well. That's um, so and she was crazy. like, yeah, she was like, yeah, don't, don't listen to them. But mm. then it, like, it, you know, I realized, oh, shit. This is what the rest yeah. of the world is like. Especially like, also, I'm not from Pakistan. I'm <laughs> Filipino. Yeah. So. Well, that's that's it though, doesn't it? It goes to show like how based in in like, just bigotry, mm, false like, yeah. literally, I, and uh, bigotry I'd never seen before and mm. never noticed because you know you just I think you're conditioned to tolerate it. Mm. So when I was a kid, I never noticed, but then I remember then when you start waking mm. up feeling awoke. you start to have flashbacks of all these things things that that you experience like I remember I remember I was a kid and I went to a because my mom's Catholic and I went to a Catholic church in Thailand Mm. with a white priest and I remember there was like some sort of banquet and I would go to this I would go to this church with my mom all the time right Mm. so obviously we're Catholics there right um, and I remember eating at the banquet, eating meat or whatever. And the priest comes up to me and he goes, what are you doing eating that? I thought you were Muslim. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, this, that's just like, and yeah. as a child, I was like, um, no, um, like, why uh, did my you mom that? comes to your church. So like, and she's Catholic, but like, uh, what? It was just the most awkward, bizarre yeah. thing I'd ever experienced. Mm, I mean, there has always been so much ignorance around where people are from and, and so much assumption. And that's so much based on people in places of privilege, mm. feeling like they can assert their dominance on a situation. Yeah. Basically, I moved to London because I wanted to become a photographer. Yeah. And actually, I think maybe when we met, you were doing I was still a doing photography. photography. Yeah. I went to uni at London College of Fashion and when I graduated, the whole the whole plan was to become a photographer, assist mm. a photographer, but I got scouted by Models One and I was like, "What? Mm. Me, model? Like, no, I'm behind the camera." But I at the time I was like, "You know what? I have nothing to lose." Mm. So, I've been presented a great opportunity to explore being in front of the camera. And in a weird way, the two went hand in hand. And Mm. I learned so much about, I've learned so much more about photography being a model Mm. than I ever did at uni. No offense, LCF. (laughs) But um, was it difficult for you going into a space? I don't know what Models One like is as an organization, but being a person of color, not being stick thin. Yeah. Was that a difficult space to navigate or I think I entered the modeling world in a time where it was just about to make that shift mm. in because I remember I'm someone that I I'm quite blunt and mm. I have no problem I can't help it I have no filter I will mm. say what I think mm. and I think my agents knew that straight like straight away I was like um why do I have to be categorized mm. aren't we all models here yeah and then um it's like good that like I think I open up conversations even with the people that I work with. Well, even, it takes people to question the status quo. Even with quo. brands that I work with now. It's like mm. I remember in the States I was on a job where the client was like, oh, we need you to wear padding. And I was like, hang on a second, what? Padding, padding in your bra? Padding all over my body. What? Yeah. As like in, it's a thing in the curve world apparently. To make you a different type of curve. To basically I had Accentuate. padding on my belly. I had padding on my hips. I had padding to make me look bigger. And I remember specifically saying to that client, I'm sorry, if the clothes don't fit me and you need to pad me up, why didn't you just get a bigger girl? Yeah. They're like, oh, but we love your face so much. And I'm like, right. (sighs) My mind is blown right now. Yeah. And I remember calling my agents at the time and in tears because I was like, this is, I will not, this is really Mm. weird. I feel so uncomfortable. I'd never, being new in the modeling Mm. world as well. I remember calling up other models being like, is this normal? And they're mm. like, yeah, that's just how it is in the curve world. And I was like, well, I don't want anything to do with it. That's the thing is, it's, I find I really wanted to have this conversation with you about representation of women and women's bodies and, you know, how we've grown up 
seeing certain types of bodies like for me I don't know if you did as well but America's Next Top Model was like the thing to watch babe I never even thought about being a model because it didn't seem like it would ever yeah. even be an option for me yeah looking at I had loads I had loads of friends growing up who were like models mm. so even as a kid like when we were like 13 some of my mates were, were models already at that mm. age bizarre no, I don't advise it yeah. like I don't think 13 year old girls should be modeling mm. Mm, but that's just my opinion I definitely think that entering modeling at an older age I was 23 maybe that's why more, I, made me more strong for to yeah. handle it maybe that's why I had that connection with that because I modeled from the age of two until mm. about about 13 and then I got on ball because my teeth got all wonky and mm. I guess I was growing into woman and not in the way that did it play did it play with your well I think it did because I'm even having I swear doing this podcast it brings so many things to light like you were talking about like having these conversations it reminds me when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk to you about in terms of women's bodies I thought about when I used to idolize America's Next Top Model I used to watch it all mm. the time because I felt like I think probably because I wasn't able to be a model anymore mm. I decided that you know I wasn't the right person to do that because these are the ideal women and I'm too short and I'm not skinny enough and actually I spent a, mo- a lot of my teens drinking laxative teas mm. taking pills taking appetite suppressors mm. drinking shakes that would make me dizzy like meal supplement things yeah and no no young girl should uh, and I thought it was normal I was yeah. like it's fine like I was and I'd be dizzy all the time and actually my body was very normal for me as a person in terms of who I am and everybody's body's different but I put myself through so many of these things to try and reach a goal that wasn't really it was completely unrealistic Mm. because it didn't exist my body was never going to look like someone else's body because it's I haven't got their body you know yeah and I feel like a lot of young girls see these images and I feel like the media just completely warps the way that we Mm. see women's bodies and the idea that you know to be a curve model you'd have to be bigger in some like it's yeah that is so wild to me. Yeah. Why do we have these defined spaces that women have to fit into? Yeah. I mean, I don't know why. For me, growing up, I was very rebellious. So my mom's a ex-beauty queen. She was like Miss Philippines. But like, well. I was, she came second, okay? So I was like, <laughs> you're not really Miss Philippines because you didn't win the damn title, right? So calm down. I see some internalized. <laughs> yeah. This is the thing. My mom and I have a great relationship now. But when when I was a, when I was a kid... Because she had this, bearing in mind, she grew up in Philippines, mm. where they're as well. They have they have their own ideals of what beauty is, and mm. it's, in my opinion, very backwards. Mm. The idea of whitening mm. and the idea of having to have silky straight hair all the time. The idea of being mestiza, which is mixed race, mm. is seen as the most beautiful, mm, closer to whiteness. Mm. Mm. And it's not no one's fault. It's just the way they've been conditioned through colonialism, mm. etc. It's global. We could go on forever. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so my mom was conditioned to think of this is how my daughter should be. This mm. is how my daughter should be in terms of being a beautiful young girl, right? Mm. And she would get so frustrated with me because I would. I'm naturally, I don't know what it is. I think I've just always wanted to be rebellious. Mm. In When someone tells me to be a certain way, I'd be like, no. <laughs> well, also, it didn't make sense to you. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't, I think a young person who has a strong sense of self, mm. which not every young person has, but some young people are just... I think it was just naturally, even as a kid. Yeah, I was opinionated. Oh, and So opinionated, yeah, even too. as a child. I was so annoying. My parents were like, <laughs> we can't take this child out anywhere. <laughs> She, we have to like gag her. I'm glad it's a running theme. <laughs> I feel like unruly women were unruly children. Yeah, so I don't know where I got it from, but it, obviously I was just naturally, that's just naturally how I was. So when my mom would be like, please, Emma, just put on some makeup, please. Come on, you're so beautiful. Just put on a little bit of eyeliner. And I'd be like, no. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, this whole like cat and mouse thing where I just didn't want to be whatever my mom wanted me mm. to be. And then, you know, again, it's not her fault, but she would she would try to be like, no, you need to exercise. You need to stay like this. Like, don't eat too much. Mm. Emma, why are you eating that? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. You want you don't want me to eat this burger. How about I eat, too? <laughs> I was like that. Yeah. great. So stubborn. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> um, and then obviously got a bit bigger. <laughs> but um, as I got older and through the modeling, it's so weird because, you know, it's never been my goal to be a model. Mm. I never was like, I want to be a model. But in a weird way, despite how crazy modeling, like there's so many changes that need to be made in the modeling world, Mm. in the fashion industry, 
But in a weird way, it also created a lot of opportunities for me to help sort of implement that change. Yeah, to have that conversation. Because now that I'm in it, Mm. I'm like weirdly like able to talk about things. It's given me the voice that I have. Mm. Definitely. And, and also through its imperfections. And we need people like you to have that voice, to have that conversation. So I almost quit modeling last, I think, a year or whatever. I was like, I remember sitting down to my agents being like, I don't like it. Mm. I mean, obviously, so grateful for all the opportunities I've had, but I struggled with my own mental health in mm. terms of trying to stay true to my values mm. because you find yourself contradicting yourself all the time mm. and also trying this, to fit into yeah. these spaces that you kind of don't fit into naturally. Yeah. yeah I would be like look in one hand I'm like so grateful that I am able to make money doing something mm. like this but at the same time I don't like working for brands that don't coincide with what I believe in mm. but then you have to find that fine line where you're like well do I give up on my values and just do the job because I need to pay more you know mm. what I mean I hated feeling that I hated feeling torn between mm. like being a hypocrite or whatever mm. but I found a balance in it by having conversations mm. by realizing it's not about being perfect because you will drive yourself crazy mm. trying to be perfect all the time in a world that just isn't. Yeah, that's the thing that we're we're living in a society that is very capitalist, yeah. that is very based in a certain framework. Mm. And so you're always going to be contradicting yourself. Yeah. You do have to make money. You do mm. have to live and yeah. survive. And I remember one of my friends saying, Emma, what good will it be if you quit modeling? And she was like, you could do so much more in the being in mm. it. And so I was like, you know what? You Fine. Pick your battles. I will be part of the, I will try my best to be part of the change. And I also, I think I realized it's not just, it's not, I'm not Jesus. That's what my grandma says to me. <laughs> she goes, Emma, you are not Jesus. <laughs> so I don't know why. <laughs> She's always like, I don't know why you're trying so hard to please everybody. And I'm like, yeah, okay, you're right, Grandma. I'm not fucking Jesus. So Grandma's always bringing you back down to earth. Yeah, she, bring, she brings <laughs> me back down. And she's like, all you can do is just try to do the best that you can. And I think and in the beginning of my career, I did think like that. But then it's like anything. The more you work and work and work, the more you're like, you become... Hmm. <gasps> Also, the, the pressure grows, mm. you know, as you begin working in a space. And people really hold you to the values that you put out because once they're out in the world, they're there forever. And I think a lot of creative people feel that paradox of being genuine, being impassioned to talk about something, yeah. but work having to work with brands yeah. to allow their voices to be heard. Yeah. And that is kind of the constant conflict that yeah. I think every artist has because we do have to engage with brands. Mm -hmm. It's the only way that we can get our dreams yeah. envisioned a lot of the time. I didn't even like calling myself a model in the beginning. It just felt like imposter syndrome for me. <laughs> but then after a while, I was like, shut up, Emma. It's what you do. Mm. You're a model and that's fine. Yeah. And I think people have this misconception of what a model is, but it's like, no, there's so many layers now to people that are, are doing this kind of work. And I'm not saying our, what I am doing is revolutionary. By no means it isn't. Like, but, but everybody has a part to play. Yeah. You know? And you know what? I think as long as you, like you said, you stay true to yourself and you open yourself up to like be willing to learn, mm. educate yourself. I think you you lead with your moral compass. Yeah. And as long as it's coming from a really honest place, then it's fine to get stuff wrong sometimes because we're That's all working towards the same goal. Yeah, you've got to be comfortable with making mistakes. Mm. And I think when, we're, when I was younger, I used to be, I hated being told off. Mm. I didn't like making mistakes. Me neither. Like if my accountant emails me, I'm like, am I in trouble? <laughs> and he's like, no, you're fine. I'm like, okay. But like, this <laughs> is the same. thing. We need to not put so much pressure on ourselves when we make mistakes. It's about how you overcome them and mm -hmm. how you learn from them that are the most important. I so did. I think for me, it's like I'm still learning in this world of modeling. I definitely, definitely agree with that one. <laughs> So for anyone listening who doesn't feel like they fit the mold of being a model or, or being a speaker or whatever, how do we reject sexist and often Eurocentric ideas of what a woman should be or how they should be? So, and I'm not saying this is how everyone should do it. Yeah, how do you reject but it? But how yeah. I do it is through humour. <laughs> um, and a lot of sarcasm. Yeah. I don't know if that's a defence mechanism, <laughs> but like you... Honestly, I think a lot of the time, the work that I do, there's a lot of red flags that uh, I come across, right? Mm. 
And um, in those moments, I have to think about how do I how do I deal in a situation where someone's being sexist towards mm. me, someone's being rude, someone's being really inappropriate. And um, you're always told to like, if I get upset, that doesn't do anything for me in the moment mm. either. If I get angry, there's nothing good comes out of that either a lot of the time. Mm. You just get pinned as, oh, she was so difficult to work with. Mm even though you have every right to be upset. For sure. But I found that there's a sense of power in me when I actually outsmart the person who's upset me or mm. in a way through humor. Mm. I remember um, <laughs> I remember once, you know, even with the, with the whole padding thing, it really upset me. And um, I just said, all right, I'm going to take the check and you'll never see me again. Mm. And like in a funny way. And they laughed, but I was like, no, like you know what, like, you just got to sometimes just... I think also sometimes that is a defense mechanism. A lot of women have I think to a do lot that. of models tolerate it. But it's also like uh, you're in a professional space. How do you cause a fuss in a scene? I often have, like, a lot of, like, microaggressions or people saying off-key stuff. And it's like, am I going to cause a scene in front of everyone or am I going to say something funny to, like, bat it off? Mm. Because I don't want to feel like you think that you've affected me with what you said. Well, this is why with agents, I think it's super important when I experience something inappropriate, I will go to my agent mm. and I'll tell them mm. and I'll be like, Definitely. it's up to you. Like, it's their job to then also like to make Mediate sure that, that. They're, the people, they're, the models they represent are being protected as well. Uh, I did this really, it's beautiful. This, um, It was meant to be like a lube commercial uh, <laughs> with uh, Elena, the director. Mm. But I don't know her full name. <laughs> At Comolo on Instagram. <laughs> but um, so we did a fashion film with her and she's amazing. It made me feel so comfortable on set because mm. I had to pretend to masturbate. It was so empowering to do something like that, right? And the majority of people on set were men. That's so intense. But the director was a woman mm. and she made me super comfortable and she told everyone respect this set and da 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 so mm. when we were filming it was all good but then when I went from a cigarette break <gasps> I like had some of the runners from the team come up to me and be like oh you know I was getting a little bit hot under the collar runners watching are the, you runners and I are was the worst. like excuse me and then I, I laughed with him smoking and I was like oh yeah yeah you were hot on the collar on you okay cool that and you felt the need to tell me that, did you? And he's like, oh, yeah, where? And I was like, right, okay, cool. Um, yeah, this is just what I do every day. <laughs> like, and then I think one of them was like, gosh, got a great cum face. And then I think one of the makeup artists or the stylist was like, excuse me, but the fact that it's like people feel they can... Well, it's just, it's men, isn't it? You know, a woman would never say that. No, they, the they... women on set were like, you look beautiful. They feel They're so... like, you're so, br like, mm. you're so brave. And I was like, nah, I'm not that brave. I'm just no, pretending but... to masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> but it is because it's a taboo issue. But imagine if I was a, a young girl that wasn't... Imagine, because I'm mm. someone who's super confident. When someone says mean things to me or inappropriate things to me, it doesn't affect me emotionally. I don't mm. know if I'm just dead inside, but actually I have no water well, in my have, chart. You have a <laughs> you have so a strong I, sense of self, yeah. you know, and, and a, a younger girl might not have built that confidence yeah. yet. Yeah, so then I, like, most of the time when things like that happen, I open up a conversation with that person. Mm. So, like, with these guys, I'm interested to know why you felt the need to tell me that. Do you know what and I mean? And then they're taken aback. Yeah, because they're, they're like, oh, shit. They've tried to assert their masculinity and it hasn't worked. But they're trying to be funny. Because it made them feel uncomfortable mm. to see me masturbating, to hear yeah. my calm voice, to hear my, <laughs> see my calm face. Even though I was like, honey, it was all fake. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Sort yourself out. They probably only know fake orgasms. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in those, for me, how I deal with those kind of situations is by talking. We should be able to have these conversations. It's a kind of a hard balance because I feel like people who make these inappropriate comments should know better and, and it's also they do not, when you they do. when you confront them with it because they also, expect you to just be like oh, oh okay oh like <laughs> yeah. yeah do you know what i mean but did you enjoy that <laughs> but, but that's them trying to exert their power in the situation and actually it's not your job to have that conversation but i think that it's really useful that but we do have yeah. them yeah and it's not my job but also i do it because i'm thinking about those young girls who can't mm. Anyone, not even just women, anyone in situations where they feel like, yeah, they don't know how to deal with it. So I'll speak up because it's like my, I take it upon myself to try and educate that person that's like confronted mm. me with their bigotry. 
or their inappropriateness. I totally agree. I think I'm a bit triggered because it's happened to me recently where it was so mad. I did a thing where I had to, I was talking about taking up space and just the things that I would usually talk about. Mm. Um, and it was very empowering. It was very much about me as an artist. And then after filming everything, I kind of got censored and they were like, oh, she has too much cleavage out. Can we like close the outfit? And yeah. I felt it felt really weird having someone tell me what to do with how I presented myself mm. especially in a space where I was talking about empowering and then some runner guy came in and like made this joke about my boobs and like oh how like everybody should have a look kind of vibe and I was just like why did you feel like you had the authority in this space to say that and that was funny you know why they do that because they're the ones feeling insecure and weird mm. about it and it's weird because like it's not just in my career it's even in my dating life mm. that like I've I've been on dates with guys where they feel I don't know if they're intimidated by me they probably are yeah I think a lot of the time they are and I really enjoy shocking people <laughs> so it's like in a way for me the way I know that I'm safe in myself is by being I'm like yeah you want to release a nude of me boom I'm gonna release it first so <laughs> sucker like yeah. that's my mentality yeah so I think before so and maybe that's also quite it's not maybe the best way as well well it's reclaiming your power and, and whichever way feels but right I, for I've, you. I've realized that like sometimes in order to not feel hurt or to feel protected I'm the one that's like mm. in control and it, which is sometimes also a bad thing because there's a beauty there's beauty and vulnerability as for well for sure we also live in a world that is scary for a lot of women. So, Well, exactly. And I think women have, I've definitely through my own experiences in my childhood throughout now, I've been conditioned to be this tough bitch. Mm. And I've got really thick skin. Mm. Like it takes a lot to offend me. It takes a lot to upset me because we've been forced to grow these hard to, shells. For sure, exactly. And um you know, and then people only... are like, oh, you're so intimidating. And it's like, well, I've just spent my whole life trying to fight this oppression. How many guys I've had, I've invited round over, they'll be like, oh, you live by yourself? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And they're like, wow, um, what's what's the rent like for this place? And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize you are into real estate. <laughs> you know I thought you were here mean. to just fuck me, but okay, let's talk about my bills then, right? <laughs> they're like, I just want to check that you're not earning more money than me. Yeah, literally. And then and then it's like, oh, if I was a... I remember I went on a date with a guy and I was like getting drunk and I was like, hey, let's... Shall we get a hotel? I'll pay for it. <laughs> and he was like, what? A big boss of energy. <laughs> yeah, and I was like... And he was like what no I wouldn't and then I was like what if uh if I was a guy and I and I wanted to buy us a hotel room you wouldn't you wouldn't have he felt any, like a cheap date <laughs> I think I made him feel like a prostitute <laughs> and that's why he was not about that's it fucking, that's fucking hilarious. But I was just like what the fuck so I don't know maybe I've turned into a toxic male but <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe but I've turned into a really like and I'm just out here dating guys trying to make them feel small <laughs> I don't think so I think that I to me it doesn't really make sense that you would meet someone who very clearly is so comfortable with himself but what I'm saying is we shouldn't feel the need to be I shouldn't feel the need to try and prove myself by being big big boss energy mm. don't need to like come around that's my problem I've been conditioned to have big dick energy all the time but the thing is you that I've lost sense of my own vulnerability a bit yeah I totally hear that but I think also we have to be careful with our vulnerability because yeah. actually a lot of the reason that you've built up this hard shell is because you've been taken advantage of in different yeah. ways or you've been taken for granted or yeah, for you sure. haven't been respected in a lot of ways in your life by people yeah. who you know Big time. Yeah, exactly. And and so it's natural that you would have these defense mechanisms. Yeah, for sure. And it's I think for me it's been interesting to like to see that through mm. the experiences and the conversations you have with people, especially through my work and through my personal life. Mm. And on the topic of nudity and you post a lot of different photos in the nude. Mm. How is that received by your audience? I was kind of interested to think about, you know, you are breaking down barriers and taboos, mm. but do you get a mixed response? Are people really celebratory Surprisingly, my following is 80% female. Oh, wow. 80%, well, people that register See, themselves women as women. love it. And um, I get, have had some guys who will message me being like, yeah, big titties, love them big titties. <laughs> and I'll respond. And I'll be like, <laughs> oh, really? Oh, um, thank you so much for your uh, your uh, inquiry about my big titties. I'll be sure to take that to HR and we will discuss how much you like those big titties. Um, oh, and then you. they usually reply like, I'm so sorry. It's so crazy, isn't it? And I've had a lot. And it's weird because when you confront someone with mm. their 
it's like I'm I've been told I'm a walking mirror by a lot mm. of my friends and a lot of guys I think end up feeling weird when they date me because it's like I hold up a mirror to them mm. just naturally because I'm just like I don't take the bullshit I think also you don't play into the biases you don't play into a normalized idea of what a woman and a man yeah. and their relationship should be and so yeah I'm like hey big boy yeah you like these big titties <laughs> okay let me talk to you about abortion now that I have your attention <laughs> like that's I how that. I go in and I think it usually I've had a lot of men now message me being like I really like I had one guy who messaged me being like I'm so sorry that on your live I brought your boobs up um I actually fully respect you 100 as a woman like I think you do amazing things you know I've had mm. I've had guys being like my younger sisters follow you and it really I, I'm happy that they're following that a woman have, like yeah. you it's nice when men communicate mm. in a way that's like well thank you I'm glad you're following and listening and opening your mind to seeing women because in a different way because at the end of the day I'm like listen buddy I get naked for myself mm. I'm not doing this for your the validation to seek mm. your validation I and think it's also important for men to realize that they don't always realize that I think I'm like I don't need you those people who message you they are intimidated by your power in that mm. sense and the fact that you clearly don't do it for their validation and they're trying to center themselves mm. they're like but what about me but look how you make me feel yeah and it's like you're showing them in that moment this mirror that you're talking about like my I remember my ex used to be like you know it's really inappropriate for me like I can't even like I can't believe some of the things you post my dad follows you my grandma follows well, you well don't then and I'm like listen your, ma- your grandma and your dad cannot follow me if you they don't want to see my titties if they don't want to see my body it's not my problem that's theirs if you're feeling uncomfortable you should have that conversation with your father why <laughs> is your father following me yeah that's so weird do you know what like, I mean? It's like, and, he, and he's talking to you about it because he yeah. wants to reprimand you for being who you are. It's my fault that mm. your my father is following but you that's, on it. That's so <laughs> typical, like to blame the woman for something like, oh, you're leading them on. It's mm. like, why don't you? Why or don't you're making my, about you're it? making my family feel uncomfortable? I'm like, they don't gotta look. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. To me, that and is at the end wild. of the day, like. I remember in those relationships, where I would like constantly feel torn, being like, I'm such a bad person. I can't believe that I my naked body is offended my boyfriend's father. Shame <laughs> on me. Shame on me. But then it's like, actually, that person's not right for me then. I love this era that we're in <laughs> where women can like actually, actually feel like that and be like, instead of have a moment of doubt, maybe have a moment of doubt and then actually realize what the hell am I doing listening yeah. to this person who does not have control over who I am? Yeah, I think we're breaking the mold. Mm. It's about fucking time. It's a little too late, but like... (laughs) (laughs) Better late than never, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's great that we're having these conversations and it's opening up into a space where we can be open about this and we cannot put all of our value on what other people think of us. I mean, history's proven that, like, we've been conditioned to fear speaking up. Mm. Constant, like, I mean, now everything going on on Instagram, you know, seeing all these horrible stories about um, people, like, being abused and Mm. having the courage to expose their abusers now. I'm like, wow, we live in a world where we're not, well, we're coming into a new era of women not feeling the need, like, not being gagged anymore. Well, they'll be believed now, Mm. whereas there was such a culture of disbelief before. No one, everyone's like, you're just crying wolf. Mm. Or no one would take it. I remember when I was a kid, you know, like, I've experienced some abuse in my childhood and... I had no one to talk to about mm. it. Couldn't even talk to my parents about it because it's like I was young and it's like if I t- speak to my mm. parents, it would crush them. Also, like you can't talk to your friends. So I'm so happy now that people have access to different platforms, mm. different communities. Like um, a friend of mine in India on Instagram, she's she started this um, platform called Free Up, uh, Free, Free Up Space, Space. I don't know. I'll have to find. I don't. Oh gosh, I'm terrible <laughs> at promotion. Anyways, it's a it's a space for women to come forward or mm. anyone to come forward yeah. and talk about their experience of abuse. Amazing. And I didn't have that as a kid, and I think it's so amazing that we're we're able to talk about it now or come to people. Yeah, I think it it's all weaved into that changing in how we see young girls and women and how we see their voices as valuable because I had the same thing. I think most young girls have had experiences that they would never tell their parents. It's like it blows my mind how normal it is for us, like how normal it seems that 
women experience this kind of... Because we we're only just talking three, about it. Three out of like four people will be like, yeah, I've experienced abuse. Everyone. I think most people have because it's rife in our culture and in our society. And It's tolerated. It's tolerated. By and the fucking patriarchy. Mm, totally. And I'm oh, not tolerated by them. It's controlled. Yeah, it's created by them. Yeah, created, <laughs> controlled by them. Yeah, I feel like young people now, like kids and and teenagers, are so much more aware of their boundaries, of authority. People becoming a little bit more educated and less naive, like children are... And protected, being more Mm. protected than before. I think, obviously, it's a long time ago when we had, like, children should be seen and not heard, but... I think it does come from that that space where we don't listen to young people. We don't listen to what they want when they have... I think I was talking to someone about this. I was like, why do we live in a world where we're totally, like, governed by old people? Mm, It doesn't make any sense. We need more... We need, like... The world is not run by seventy-seven-year-olds. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm I'm glad Biden won, but like, I'm just saying, you know, like, can you believe like how old some of these leaders are? Mm. And they wouldn't be taken seriously if they were to try and like. I would love OAC to be president, but she's probably going to need like forty more years before anyone will take. It's her ridiculous. I think seriously enough. And this is the thing. I think we yeah we need to. I don't know if you do tarot, but we need bear tower moments. I don't. <laughs> do, you, do you know tarot? I have much no about idea. The tarot? But anybody listening might know. What I'm you're just saying. About. I think many tower moments are coming where we're literally bringing down the structures. Oh that yes. The world we that. know won't be the world. Uh, like I hope in my lifetime, anyways, we see like a whole new. We see all these structures being brought to the ground so that mm. they can be built up again in the right way. I think they really are, though. I think. Everything takes its time and that's sad that it does, but we are moving into a space where things are different. And well, that you've is got to have hope. Mm, but it is hopeful and I think sometimes when there is so much chaos and there is still so much oppression, it's hard to feel like anything is changing, but things are changing and they need to change more quickly, but we have to recognise that. also patience is a virtue and it's about planting those seeds and reaping the rewards. And that's why I say, like, don't overwhelm yourself too much. Mm. All you can do is do the best that you can. But it's also what you said about your grandma saying you're not Jesus. It's like we shouldn't have this saviour complex. Mm. We should understand that we are part of a bigger process. And if we can all do... Contribute. Contribute and have... We will have a change collectively. Exactly. I think power to the people, as we always say. But, you know, I think people need to understand that they have that power. Mm. But also I think we come from a culture where we put people on pedestals and we love celebrity culture and yeah. we love to have, like, one named leader when actually any social movement... I'm the worst. You name a celebrity, I won't know who they are <laughs> half of the time. Well, that is good. That is subversive. It's actually quite embarrassing sometimes. <laughs> Me too. I'm the worst. I remember I went on an interview... I'm like, and, I'm so not cool. <laughs> I'm, I, we can be not cool club together because I remember being on, like, a Beats interview and they were like, Cardi B's pregnant. And I was like, I didn't even know that. And they were like, you didn't know Cardi B was <laughs> yeah, pregnant. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm why would I... Really, know if she's I'm pregnant. not really one to know about gossip. Yeah, I don't care. Mm. But also, like, I think we have to uncondition our mind from putting people on these pedestals. And people like Angela Davis talk mm. about all the people who are not named outside of Martin Luther King or Malcolm I, X that create you know, the change. This is what I say. I'm like, I love championing people that aren't necessarily like. Mm. We got to champion the all face. people. Yeah, and then people will feel empowered to take part because they'll realise that their voice is valuable even if they're not the person. Because it's a very, like, neoliberalist, individualist idea to, mm. to see everybody as, like, these separate things. Like, we should value our communities because we are so much stronger when, when we do work as communities and, and we do, like, uplift each other's voices. I remember once, like, um, some really great advice I had from Vivian Westwood. She was like, you need I to... I love ver- her. <laughs> yeah, she's... she's, she's yeah. I mean, she's wild, but I love her. And like, you know, she told me, Emma, sometimes you need to forget yourself and focus on what's really important Mm. and just do the work. Mm, Just do the work, you know, get on with it. Literally. So so I kind of live my life that way. We have, we all as people, you know, it's natural. We all have tendencies to kind of just become a bit more self-absorbed. But um, there's no, nothing wrong with being that way. It's just you got to be aware of it mm. and bring yourself back down to earth. Society cultivates us to be that way. Social media cultivates us to be very well, sen- we're, self-centered. We're literally, we live in a society that benefits 
that profits from our own self-doubt. Yeah, exactly. So be rebellious and don't... Honestly, the most rebellious thing you can do is focus on being happy mm. and on and on with that, each other. Yeah, and on that point, um, I think self-love has become something that is very commercialized. But what does that term mean to you? Well, I'm really good at giving love because I yeah yeah you know I'm a giver, Poppy. Okay, I'm a giver. Just let, let the people yeah, just know. Just the people out there know that I give a lot. But it's it's you give what you get as well. Mm, that's very and I true. never expect anything in return. But to love yourself is to know your boundaries. So I will mm. I will when I I always give opportunities. Like when I meet people, I will get to know them, put in the time, mm. love them. But then I also need that time to love myself too. So if that bothers somebody, I'm usually like, maybe that person isn't, you know? And Definitely. People come in and out all the time, but the, the ones that the ones that see with the heart mm. well, also will you, always be there, will mm. always be with you. If you're comfortable with yourself as well, I think you do respect other people's boundaries. Oh, for because sure. Because you understand everybody's fighting their own battle, everybody's trying to work on their it's own happiness. It's not always about you. Uh, but it's it mostly always fun. isn't. Yeah. And a lot of the time I'll have people being like, you, like, um, I haven't heard from you. <laughs> and I'll be like, I haven't heard from you. <laughs> but honestly, I will say to my, some of my friends will call me, in the I've been a terrible friend. I haven't spoken to you in so long. And it's like, you don't owe me anything. Mm. You don't owe me anything. Just as long as I know you love me, I love you back. That's a great That's way to be. That's all I need to know. Mm. So don't ever, I always say to people, don't ever apologize to me unless you really have something to apologize for. Mm. But that's also because I'm a hermit and I'm usually like, I don't want to see anybody, so leave me alone. <laughs> You're like, don't see me, I won't see you. <clears> I'm always like, it's cool, man. Like, I was just at home anyways. I love you from afar. No problem. <laughs> Team homebody, I feel you. <laughs> and my final question, which is what I always ask people, is who are the women, the strong women, who influenced you or defined you into who you are now? You know what? I couldn't give you a single woman. I, I don't want a single, single one. name. Yeah. Because list them all. I, I literally <laughs> the women I meet in my life, whether I like them or not, they inspire me. Mm. Every single woman I come across inspires me in some way, whether they inspire me with hate <laughs> or whether they inspire me with absolute adoration, they inspire me. And I'm not saying we're perfect, but uh women are pretty amazing. <laughs> women <laughs> if you are ask fucking me. great. The fact that, like, I hear so many different women's stories all the time. I just find it, like, so exciting. Thank you so much for joining no, me. thanks for allowing me to talk so much smack. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I answered any of your questions. I think, I think we, got, we got kind of, we got close. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of My Strong Woman podcast. If you loved what you heard, please subscribe and tune in on Spotify, Apple Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Big love. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.